Uh, fuck, dude. I just, I forgot it. God, I wish it didn't look so fucking pasty. This yeah. is the whitest shit ever. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Splitscreen Media Podcast. This is episode 28 or season two, episode two. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Blankenship. And with me as always is my awesome co-host, Connor DuRose. Hey everybody, how you doing? We're a podcast uh, that focuses on video games, movies, um, I don't know, comics and and all that good stuff. And then also we get into our personal lives a little bit. So when this goes live, hopefully um, we will have episodes 26, 27, and 28 available on the audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, um, whatever else it's on. And uh, we haven't had those up because of some of the technical issues that we had. Um, but hopefully we are all on track with audio. You can catch up on those if you missed them. Um, Connor, our first topic is the new switch the brand new switch new. that everybody wanted the there's one that the internet so was much hype out for <laughs> yeah so i guess i mean because this started with the switch pro rumors which was what you know i i don't even know if that was the official name in the bloomberg report that came out but they were talking about how they wanted or that the, there was a new switch in development it had an OLED screen that was seven inches instead of 6.2. Um, it had a new dock. It had a couple other features. And the biggest thing was that it supports 4K. So it had a whole new chip and it was going to play all the old Switch games better. And it was going to play like there was going to be a couple new games that were only going to be playable on this new Switch, which is very similar to what they did with the 3DS. Like they had the 3DS and they had the new 3DS and that one could only play like there were like maybe three or four games that were specific to that system because it was the only thing powerful enough to handle it. Um, and that's what everyone thought was going to happen. And that's not what happened at all. Uh, they unfortunately, well, they announced they announced the new switch, I guess, fortunate for people who are still kind of excited, but it was, I think, overall pretty disappointing. Um, the new switch that they actually announced did have that OLED screen. Um, it was seven inches. There's a new kickstand, which is nice because the old switch kickstand is at total garbage. Um, there's a new dock that works a little bit better than the old one. And there's land support, which 2021 land support, thank God. Uh, and that's kind of it. In terms of new stuff, there was a, like there's the storage was a little bit better and the sound quality was better in handheld mode, but that was it. Um, and Chris, as a Switch owner, what did you think of that upgrade? Like, were you impressed? Because do you play a lot of handheld stuff or were you like, what the fuck? Um, I play handheld for like Pokemon and stuff, and then I dock it for like multiplayer co op games like Mario Kart or Mario Party or whatever. Um, so this isn't much of an upgrade for me, like the screen being a little bit bigger. Like I said, I don't always play it handheld, so doesn't really affect me too much. Um, but even then, like the screen itself, isn't that much of an upgrade, you know, it's like slightly larger. The resolution is the same. It, it's kind of a, not an upgrade in my opinion. I mean, it's technically an upgrade, but it's not really worth it. Yeah, Joey Joey actually said something interesting. He said that 
this is the version of the switch that should have come out five years ago mm-hmm. like it seems like the other switch was like the 0.5 model and this is the point one or the the 1.0 model mm-hmm. that we should have had five years ago and i totally agree with that yeah all um, this technology existed back then right so oh 100 but- yeah and just the the limitations on that first switch are now you know they showed their age then and are now very much showing their age um and i think people were just disappointed because it's not that you know N- nintendo's never been about the newest hardware or the the latest and greatest stuff that runs your games incredibly well um and no one's really upset by that the problem is that the newer games that are coming out for the switch don't run um i know hyrule warriors like that dynasty warriors zelda game mm-hmm. barely runs that thing gets you know 16 frames per second at most and it looks terrible and people were like i want to play this game and i want it to play well so new switch hardware would allow that um and knowing nintendo you know there might be another hardware revision next year at the earliest so this is the switch you're gonna have for a while if you decide to upgrade i have a maybe a conspiracy question do you think nintendo was sandbagging the first switch knowing that they were going to release this product like later i don't know that's a good question i mean (laughs) nintendo is really the one company that makes a profit on their console because they sell it for way more than it's worth um microsoft and sony when they sell their consoles it's for a loss because they know they're going to make that up on the games because they put the latest and greatest stuff in there. They put the newest, um, you know, SSD drives in there. They put the newest graphics cards. It's it's all up to date. Nintendo uses like seven-year-old software, and then they bank the rest of that as just straight profit, um, which is a genius move. <laughs> I mean, business-wise, it's so smart. But then you run into problems like this where you're trying to develop new games or you're trying to make your games look good on hardware that, was outdated five years ago. So, I mean, this is hardware on that switch from like 2011, I guess, is like when that would have been at its peak. And mm-hmm. it's now 10 years later and they're not updating anything inside. Under the hood, it's exactly the same. Okay. Do you also, I, I also have another question because I, I don't know if they were sandbagging it, but it, I think part of me wants to believe they were because <laughs> I think yeah. every everyone's out, like every corporate, like, company is out to i don't know fuck over everybody (laughs) but it's hard not to have that like cynical mentality with something like this yeah it also like makes me wonder like with handhelds where you have to work so like with a ps5 or an xbox you have to worry about storage graphics ram all that stuff but you don't have to worry about a screen because it just you just hdmi it to your tv or monitor or whatever Mm -hmm with handhelds you do have to worry about the screen and so they're kind of like pushing this bigger larger better screen and it's kind of like shows me an issue with handhelds where uh you know this this is another piece of technology that's going to age and wear and break and we're going to have to upgrade and they can just throw out a new product with a new screen and call it an upgrade you know yeah. And I, I've never liked that the Switch has been handheld. I, you know, the Nintendo gimmicky stuff is probably my least favorite part about Nintendo because very rarely do I feel like I play a game 
that uses the Wiimote or uses the, the Joy-Cons or uses where it enhances the experience. Usually it's just frustrating and broken. And you're like, why can't I just hold a physical controller and have this just work? And the idea of this being a handheld, it's like, oh, well, you can take it on the go, but then you have to put it in this dock. And then there's just, I mean, like our dock for our Switch recently broke and we had to buy a new one. And it's just, it's just one more thing that can go wrong. And I think that's really frustrating. Yeah. I, well, you can dock it. You know, you don't have to use it as a handheld. But one part of marketing this product is that it's a handheld console. You know, that that's part of its identity. That's, you know, it's another factor in, in making your product, you know, succeed or fail. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the other side of this, too, that I think people aren't really talking about as much. I've seen a couple articles, but I thought it was really interesting, which is that Nintendo didn't fix the Joy-Con drift um, with this new update, which for anyone who doesn't know, the Joy-Cons are notorious where the analog stick will start to drift in a certain direction, even if you're not pushing it in that direction. So your character will just run in circles, essentially, um, for whatever game you're playing. And I thought, you know, with this new model that they would try and fix that remedy that in some way shape or form um the only thing they've done so far and it happened to us our joy cons broke i mean me and my brother and we had to send it in and it took you know three weeks or whatever and they sent it back and they worked but they are using the exact same tech for these new joy cons meaning people who buy the new oled switch are going to have the same problems we also had that problem with one of them um it was really bad in mario kart because all of a sudden you're going straight and you don't even touch the analog stick and you just you just work right into a wall yeah yep really frustrating um but they i, I i'm gonna it's kind of like if you take the joy cons out of the console they're upgrading just that base console and then the joy cons are interchangeable no matter what console you have which is you know a good thing i think have they admitted to a problem with their joy cons drifting like that they haven't really, as again, I could be wrong. They haven't made a massive public statement or anything. I know that you can turn, like, it's free to send them in to Nintendo to fix, but there hasn't been a remedy of like, hey, you can go. I know Microsoft does used to do this with some of their stuff, but they're like, hey, if you can prove that you bought a Switch or you bought it from some retailer, you can go pick up new Joy-Cons, like the new version of the Joy-Cons, you get them for free, you know, as long as you had the old Switch. They're not doing anything like that. Um, which I can understand them not doing that now, but to not fix the Joy-Cons on the updated version of the Switch blows my mind. I think, so part of me is looking at this from a PR perspective, right? If you fix the Joy-Cons and you say, hey, we're upgrading the Switch and it comes with Joy-Cons that don't fucking break, that's not really part of your your upgrade. That's just making it the right like the good product that's going to work, you know? But they did that with the kickstand. That's, I mean, that's true. But I, I guess the kickstand was a design like flaw. You know, the Joy-Con drift is something that wasn't intended. And, you know, it was, it's, it's more of a quality like thing, you know? Yeah. You can say you're redesigning the kickstand, uh, you know, to make it a little bit better, but you can't really be like, well, we fucked up the Joy-Con, so, and they only come with the new Switch, so buy the new Switch. It just seems kind of weird, you know, it seems a little off. 
they might not be able to say anything about that right now because it's still um there's a legal battle going on because there's a class action lawsuit against nintendo about these joy cons um so they might not be able to be like hey our old ones suck and you can get new ones who's suing who's suing them over this so it's a class action lawsuit so anyone who's been affected can i don't remember who the actual the 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 company or the the lawyers who are actually suing them but basically if you can you know add your name to this list if you've been affected by it but I mean, those, even if they win, you get such little money yeah. from it that it's really not worth it. Yeah, class actions pay out, like, notoriously less than. But also, like, you can't take on Nintendo by yourself. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Especially over a Joy-Con, you know? <laughs> you pay more and you'll pay, like, a hundred times more in lawyers' fees and court fees. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, I'm picturing Nintendo um, from that social network. I've never actually seen the social network, but I know that clip of, like... Uh, Andrew Garfield, and he's leaning over to Mark Zuckerberg, and he's like, "You better lawyer up, asshole!" Like, <laughs> that's what I picture Nintendo doing. You better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for thirty percent. I'm coming back for everything. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm personally very disappointed with this new iteration. I don't even own a Switch. The Switch that we have is my brother's. So, like, even for someone who doesn't have one and would be like, oh, this would be an interesting purchase, like, if they made a new model, I'm mm-hmm. still disappointed with what they came out with here. So, I have a question, because I, f- I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, as a person who already owns a Switch, this is not enough of an upgrade for me to sell or trade in my current Switch and buy a whole new one, even if, if, even if I wanted to sell or trade in my current Switch. Like to get some kind of credit towards the new switch this it's not enough of an incentive in my mind you know um but as somebody who doesn't have a switch uh if you were in the market of getting one where would you lean and i, I guess part of that comes with the price difference which i don't think we've mentioned um yeah we haven't we haven't brought that up yet um so but, which way would you lean and then also we can get into the price yeah, sure. So the price, just real quick, is it's three hundred for the current switch, and it'll be three fifty for the new switch. Um, I don't know. As someone, I would like to have my own switch for when Dread comes out. Metroid Dread, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I would so like you to get be able to one hundred percent access to it. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. Like I want to be able to, you know, I want to set it up wherever I want. I want to have my own switch, my own profile. You know, I'd like to do that. So. If I do decide to get one, I mean, I'm definitely going to spend that extra 50 bucks and get the new Switch. Um, I think if you have a Switch now, this is a pointless upgrade. There will be a new Switch in a year or two that is going to have better specs, or there'll be a whole new Nintendo console. Like, they'll be the next thing. I don't think this is worth it for you at all. Like, Chris or anyone else who has a Switch, this is not worth it. But for me, I'm like... You know, if I'm going to get one, I'm going to, you know, if I'm already swimming, <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm going to dive all the way in. I'm going to buy the the extra 50 bucks just to get that nicer OLED. Because, I mean, an OLED screen is definitely going to make a difference in picture quality for handheld mode. Like, that's a fact. Do you plan on playing Metroid Dread in, in handheld or? Uh... Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> Shocking it. Okay. <laughs> that, well, that's the other thing, too, is that I know a lot of people play it portable, I can count on my hand the number of times I've played the Switch portable. 
Like I really, besides Pokemon, which sometimes I'll do passively, I always put it in the dock because the games don't run well when it's in handheld mode. The frame rate gets cut significantly. So do you don't take it with you like you know like it's one thing to like play it docked in your room versus like laying on your bed playing it handheld but you don't like for instance before covid i would take mine on the the train to work you know you yeah, don't do anything it, like that well in a city like where where you are i think it makes sense because you are able to while you're traveling you can play it handheld you can like do stuff the problem is that everywhere i go i'm in a car so i you know i'm the one driving i can't play the switch uh you could (laughs) (laughs) i could i guess i have it like down here (laughs) if you had that the tesla you could dock it to your like center console maybe oh that's so true (laughs) oh that's my dream is so first of all they need to put like gamecube games on there too so i can get all the backwards (laughs) compatibility stuff and then i want to hook it up to my tesla and have it drive me around <laughs> and you're playing switch <laughs> i'm playing switch <laughs> that's the that's the american dream but i yeah if i do get one it will be that if i just play it on my brothers then no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna he's he told me already he's like i'm not upgrading to that and you know, spending an extra hundred dollars after i trade the other one in like fuck that is the trade-in for current switches 250 we could probably sell it for around 250 if he also threw in like one or two games that he doesn't use okay. probably get like 200 250 so you know by my most liberal of estimates it would probably be around a hundred dollars to upgrade for most people but you know they're also going to get you know the value is going to go down if the facebook marketplace is just flooded with people's old shitty switches that's true well i don't i think the fact that it's not much of an upgrade will keep the um, pre-owned market you know it, from tanking a little bit yeah yeah but i'll say this too chris because your situation may be different from someone else's like if you are like chris and you play more handheld mode then you know maybe this is worth it because that picture is going to look way better you know oled versus lcd is night and day um so if that's really all you do and you don't even like the dock is just collecting dust somewhere in your room like this might be worth it um, but if you play exclusively docked or whatever, don't fucking bother. Yeah, a hundred percent. If you play docked like all the time, don't bother. I would say, Connor, if, if you know, if someone's in your position where you might be looking at a new one, definitely like spend the fifty extra fifty dollars. Make sure you're getting a better quality product because you deserve it. <laughs> I'm worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's not like I'm going to buy it and then the next day Nintendo's like, the Switch 2! <laughs> like, it's going to be a yeah. while before they announce something else. So, Although, you know, I did feel like I kind of got burned on the 1X because I, like, I got that thing in my head. I was like, I really want a 1X. I want to upgrade from my original Xbox. And then, like, a year later, the Series X came out and I'm like, this was a fucking waste of money. So, wasn't... Didn't they have the Xbox Slim? before the one x yeah so they had they had like the white model which was the one s and then the one x came after that yeah. um but the series God, microsoft sucks the series <laughs> s and the series x came out at the same time yeah God, those fucking names dude yeah that's it that's bad <laughs> it's the worst i mean like even you know 
if you're gonna name it something else just do the nintendo thing and like name it something different every time you get gamecube and then wii and then switch and i mean wii u was a huge failure for that reason but like just name it something else do they have a new name for the upgraded switch it's literally called switch oled model that's oh that's the official if you go on nintendo's (laughs) website right now that's what it's called okay it's the nintendo switch the switch Lite, which is a huge waste of money i've never understood that thing they were like it's a portable switch and i'm like yeah i forgot that existed to be honest (laughs) (laughs) so it's a switch that's portable quote unquote and you can't dock it and it doesn't connect to your tv and the joy cons are connected right yeah they're fused yeah. to the thing it's like one thing um, so curious on the numbers of that how well that sold <laughs> i'm sure so i'm sure people are like oh my god a portable switch but uh yeah and then the, and then the newest one is going to be the oled model okay we haven't talked about the kickstand too much the differences yeah so that if you play a lot of tabletop switch if you just like put it on the thing then this is definitely gonna be worth it because that original i mean almost every switch i see on the marketplace that stand is broken because it was this tiny little sliver i don't know if we can throw up a picture or whatever but there's a tiny little sliver on the back and it doesn't feel stable at all and people would knock it over and it would just snap in half um but this one the whole back is a kickstand so it's definitely going to be more stable if that's how you like to play your games I've played it with like the tabletop with those, the tiny kickstand that's on mine. Um, just because I don't know, I was at work a couple years ago and just, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think enough people use that feature. Like yeah. it, first off the flimsy kickstand sucks, right? Like I haven't broken mine yet, thankfully, but I can see how people would. It's literally like, super tiny this new one is it's all the way across the back of the console and it uh allows for more degree of like the angle at which you can put your switch screen mm. uh so it is it's it's a, like i think the the little one it just goes to one i don't know how, how many degrees it is but it just clicks in and then that's how you set it but this one you get like a couple different degrees um that you can like angle your screen better i don't know no, for sure. It's it's definitely like it's you know whatever your situation is, the viewing angles are going to be better. Um, but I I couldn't agree more with you. It is a niche market of people that fucking use that stand or play tabletop mode. I I you know I don't understand like just hold it if you're going to have it out of the dock. I don't know why you would like put it down and then play like this. But uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting that that was such a big complaint that or that that was the complaint that the, not that the games don't run well but they were like people are up in arms about this kickstand we got to change it yeah i don't know I, I think it might have been like just another hey let's put another design upgrade on the list of things on this new console you know yeah no i, I... they needed a couple more bullet points <laughs> i think they did and honestly they were like what's the cheapest thing we can change. It's like, well, the design is free. Essentially, we got a whole R and D team that can just mock up something new that is a better kickstand. Speakers are dirt cheap. They're like, oh, we'll just throw in a slightly better speaker. That's easy. The storage. More storage is. I mean, that's not even. 
that's like a micro SD card that they put in there. That's nothing. Yeah. You get that shit at Best Buy for two dollars. Yeah. Like, I mean, all the parts that they're replacing are so cheap that, and this is, I guarantee you, this thing goes up for pre-order immediately sold out. There's no way that it's not going to sell out day one. You think there's enough demand? It's a Nintendo product. So yeah, anything else (laughs) I would say no. Like if Microsoft was like, Hey, we have a new model that, you know, the only games you can play on it are connect. And like it, (laughs) it, you know, explodes after 38 hours of use no one would buy it but because it's a nintendo thing there's a certain amount of collectability to it that you know people love and that people are like i know this is gonna be worth a lot of money in the future (laughs) which i think might be the perfect segue to our next topic which is which is the uh the super mario 64 speaking of collectability that's sold for an obscene amount of money do we want to get into that yeah let's let's get into it okay um should i like give a little bit of so i don't actually know much about this other than the fact that it sold for an ass ton of money (laughs) yeah so it sold for an insane amount um what's the what's the product itself so it is a sealed uh copy of super mario 64 for the nintendo 64 um, it was rated by WADA, who does like anytime you see a game in a case that has a rating on it based on how it looks, is done by WADA, which is the company. Um, it had a 9.8, which is near perfect, 9.8 out of 10. Um, and yeah, it sold for $1.5 million, I think either yesterday or two days ago. And it was it is now the most expensive video game ever to be sold. I believe the previous title was uh, a sealed copy, like a limited edition sealed copy of Legend of Zelda for the NES, which sold for around it was like nine hundred thousand. So this is the first game to crack a million. That cracked a million by a lot. Cracked a million by a lot. I, I think it's going to be a long time before this is beaten by anything. Um. And it raised a lot of questions as to why someone would pay so much for this. Um, Super Mario 64 is not a rare game, first of all. I mean, like, the, the you know, it being sealed is relatively unknown. I mean, like, there's not a ton of those out there. But even with that, it is not worth that much money. Isn't um, the rating come into factor? Isn't, like, I feel like... I feel like a long, like, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, I, I, I like was seeing like a YouTube video or something on this and like the sealed 64s uh, to have a rating like that high is really rare. Yeah, that can that's definitely a factor. I mean, it's a huge factor in comics. Like it's the difference between, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man, a 7.4 of that goes for $8,000. And then the nine point, I think it was like a 9.7, which is the highest rated one in existence right now, went for 2 million. So there is a huge difference between even just like one point on the grading scale in terms of profit that you can make Mm -hmm. from something like that. But not only were people skeptical of like why someone bought this, because it, it, it wasn't someone who was interested in collecting games because they like games. It was someone who saw that this thing was expensive and just wanted to add it to their collection because it's worth a lot of money. Um, And I think this brings into question a much bigger point and a huge thing in retro gaming right now, which is how much these games cost. And 
this really started with COVID and it's kind of ended here. <laughs> and, and I think this is going to be a huge shift in this. Well, not a shift, but it's going to continue even further in that direction with these games being so expensive. Yeah. It's interesting that he wasn't or he or she, I don't know who, who bought it, but um, it's interesting that they weren't a collector of retro games. You know, I, I think what happens a lot with collectibles, especially really, really, really expensive and rare ones, is people will buy them for the collectible aspect, but also knowing, hey, this is probably going to appreciate down the road. And yeah. they're in the market of collecting collectibles, not necessarily collecting one, one type of collectible. No, this is, I have so much money and I want to show off my collection of stuff and I just want to have the most expensive thing that I can own. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, if you've already collected a bunch of stuff, this is probably great news for you. Um, cause this, this adds value to everything that you own. I mean, it's, it reminds me of the Logan Paul situation where he like had the Charizard necklace mm -hmm. or whatever with the Charizard card in it. And then he was like, this is worth a million dollars. And then it, skyrocketed the price of those pokemon cards yeah i was gonna bring that up because i mean pokemon cards have always been a collectible kind of thing and logan paul bought one i'm sure like there's some nostalgia because he's in that age group but also he kind of made a lot of hype around it and it inflated the market a little bit like specifically not just charizard cards but a lot of pokemon cards because logan was bringing it into the forefront of a lot of social media and kind of reignited a lot of demand for those Pokemon cards, you know? So yeah. do you think the same thing is, 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 maybe this is alluding to your point. Do you think the same thing's happening with these high, uh, like high expensive, was it at an auction? Whatever. They buy it at a high price. And do you think it's igniting a lot of uh, people to go back into retro gaming collectibles? I think the problem is that, and this isn't, I shouldn't say problem, but just the thing is what's happening right now is that a lot of people are collecting retro games because it was the perfect COVID activity. And over the past year and a half, those games have skyrocketed price. And I'm one of those people. I, you know, I've always kind of collected stuff, but over the past year and a half, I got really into it. Like finding a good deal on a game or just even if it's a game that nobody wants, but it's something that you used to play and you find it really cheap or you find a good deal, it's such a great feeling. And I've really enjoyed doing it. But the problem is that a lot of the stuff that I'm into, like GameCube games, which is one of my favorite consoles of all time, those games are nuts right now. And I was talking to the guy at my local retro game shop, and he was saying that they change the prices on those games daily because they go up that quickly. It'll be, even if it's just by a dollar or two, they re-sticker every single GameCube game. And I think the perfect example of that is, maybe I've said this on the podcast before, but I, I bought Pokemon Coliseum like six or seven years ago and it was $10 and I bought it. And I, even then I was like, oh, that's kind of high just because it was an old GameCube game. I'm like, nobody plays this. Like this is, it didn't even have that much value then. And mm -hmm. I just checked the other day um, when I was just walking in and Pokemon Coliseum is pretty rare, but the copy that they had there was $200. Yeah. Do you still have your, your Coliseum copy? I do. I have that. I have, 
I have a bunch of stuff. I have both of the Metroids. I have Resident Evil 4. I have Super Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion. Like, I have a couple of the rare ones. Um, but I'd like to, you know, expand and and buy more. But right now, but I, just, I can't afford it. Yeah, that's um, the, that is insane. But that's true of not just game. That's every retro game right now. Even the original Xbox ones, which are worth nothing. Like nobody collects original Xbox games and their prices are super low, but even those have gone up by 20 or $30, which is unheard of. I, I'm not, uh, I don't have any of my old retro consoles. Um, I don't want to pay, like even the consoles are kind of high. I don't really feel like paying the prices for those. It... I th- do you think the the consoles i'm sorry do you think the retro gaming stuff is going to go down because covid's ending like people will have less time on their hands or things like that or do you think like this like rise in prices is here like do you think it's going to level out do you think it's going to go down what do you think is going to happen with this market it'll definitely level out this is just a weird bubble that we're in right now um i don't think they're ever going to be like ten dollars again I, I think i mean once you once you start collecting i think people are just going to want to keep doing it and there you know there's millions of new people now who are chomping at the bit to get these old games so the demand is always going to be there i think now that's just something but i definitely do think it's going to drop off a little bit um it's just i'd be really curious to check super mario 64 when i go back i'll probably you know i'll probably go back to the game store over the next couple days and i'll check to see because i i guarantee you that game will have at least doubled in price just because of like that sale yeah well i mean one thing i I wanted to ask you was like if you did have any interests in like maybe starting collecting games like if that was something that appealed to you and if you would now if you did if you would put that on hold because of the current prices or you know just what's happening with the market yeah i i definitely would like to um i think so the the consoles from like my childhood that are super nostalgic probably definitely the nintendo ones like the game boy gamecube i didn't have a wii um i never had i had playstation i had a playstation one uh didn't have a two or three but that's not like i didn't really play it that much so and then xboxes which yeah i'm okay <laughs> yeah so it, it would probably be the, the Nintendo GameCube. And we have, I think, a Game Boy Color here. But I, I definitely want, like, either an Advanced or a DS or something. Um, just for the nostalgia stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, at this at this point, like, the prices are too high for me to start. That kind of thing. I mean, just the console and a couple games is going to run several hundred dollars. You know, if not into, like, the four-digit range. So, you know, it's, like, there might be some, like, kind of crappy games that nobody cares about that are cheap but like the ones that are nostalgic the pokemon the mario you know the those ones the zelda's those those are going to be expensive you know it's all the ones that aren't garbage <laughs> like there's yeah. a lot of like any, trash any, game games that nobody wants that yeah. are like 10 bucks but yeah any game worth its salt or any game like part of those nostalgic franchises is going to be expensive and then you know trying to I mean, you could start somewhere and I could just like do one game here, one game there, but you know, that's, it's still going to add up over time. And I just, I don't think that's a priority for me right now. 
if the prices drop, I might change my mind. What I think is crazy too is that everyone's like, oh, the prices are so high, but these games sell. Every time I go into the game store, it's a whole new set of GameCube games because they have all sold out. And these are games that are $100, $150, gone. And they're gone within like a couple of days. So clearly there's enough demand for this that they can sell them at those prices and people are like, fuck it, I want to play this game. And it's in the original way to play it. Like I want to plug something in, put the game in. I mean, I know, you know, there's stuff like Dolphin out there that's really good for uh, emulation. But, you know, people want to have that original game and they want to, you know, feel how it used to be played, I guess, like the authentic way. Yeah, and, and I know there's a lot of people that do like streaming or speedruns or things, and they they want to do it on the authentic hardware. Um, like that's super important in those communities. Um, Speedrunning especially. Because a yeah, lot of the a lot of the hacks or glitches or you know the the shortcuts are only in those original like they're not in the ROMs they're in the original copies of that game and sometimes they're region locked so like oh the Japanese game lets me skip this thing and save forty five seconds or whatever so they need that copy of it yeah and I think also if you're using an emulation some leaderboards allow it but it can really bring into question your run on it especially if you're like oh well he got like the em- emulator or whatever helped him, you know, in this little part and it actually gave him a 0.5 second boost or whatever. And then suddenly your runs invalid, you know? Yeah. There's also a thing with like customizing the controls. I know people have a problem with because you can, you know, map out different buttons yeah. and then you can maybe do the run a little faster that way or whatever. Yeah. It's definitely. Cause like, I think there was something with, uh, I don't know. I think it was, nes or some controller where like the button spacing on the original controller i forget what game what console whatever but basically the the button mapping was impossible to do a certain number of whatever like input they needed to do like it was impossible to go back and forth from the buttons that fast mm-hmm. when you mapped it on a keyboard you could do it like perfectly on the on the emulator or the tool assisted software but you could not do it on the original hardware it just was not possible like the way it was designed so yeah you if you're doing it on the original hardware there's definitely like stipulations with you know in those communities with the runs and stuff and i think that's fine i mean like them having strict rules about that because it's not fair if someone else yeah. has that kind of advantage it just it, it you could do it like oh this is an emulator run so mm-hmm. like you get the best time in that but i definitely don't think you should put those two together because they're, they're yeah. totally different in how they play yeah i like I said, for some games, you might be able to, like, there might not be any difference, but, um, uh, yeah, using the original hardware is, is super important on that kind of stuff. No, for sure. Um, but, you know, going back to this game, I, I think it definitely sets a dangerous precedent for, like, there being no upward bound on what something can cost for something. You know, I, I mean, I know that that copy is rare, and WADA doesn't really post how much of a game there is in that current state um, or with that current grade. So we don't Mm -hmm. know how many 9.8 Mario 64s are out there. Um, But I just worry that they're like, oh, it's 1.5 million. That sounds good. And then that game is now unbuyable at any of the stores because it's going to cost $400 or whatever. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, if you think about like baseball cards or something, aren't there like some of those that go for like several millions of dollars 
Some of them do, yeah. So, which to me, I'm like, who the fuck is buying baseball cards still? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a collectible thing now. Like, yeah, I don't think anybody cares about the new baseball cards, but there's like whatever Honus Wagner, I think, is like a really expensive uh, baseball card. You know, so and it's just rare because it's old. There's not a lot in circulation, and it's it's just like the famed collectible in that collectible community, like in that collecting community. So. Yeah, no, I remember when I was a kid, they they found a Babe Ruth rookie card, and that sold for a stupid amount of money. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and Pokemon, going back to the Logan Paul thing, like, Pokemon has been on the rise for the past two years, and a lot of it having to do with COVID, but, like, even before then, <clears throat> the prices were skyrocketing. And now, with this Logan Paul thing, I think it was around the time that Target stopped selling Pokemon cards because people were getting hurt. They were, like, trampling over each other to get the new ones because they're worth that much money yeah do you think uh you think people are trying to flip these retro games like that's why the inventory is going so fast at these stores yeah i mean scalpers got really big (laughs) over the covid season i mean look at the the new set of like the ps5 and the series x like you still can't just go to the store and buy one of those it's been a year and a half so you know I think they're definitely just trying to turn a profit with this. Most people, I don't think they actually care about the game itself. Like, no, you know, and for me, that's what it is. It's about the attachment of like, oh, I used to play this when I was a kid. Um, I mean, you and I, Chris, we just went to an awesome retro game store and I bought this like Game Boy Color Shrek game. That's garbage. But I loved it as a kid and it was like three dollars. I was like, oh, that's done deal. I we do have the Game Boy Color. I'm curious uh, if I think it was Game Boy Color. Uh, there's a Monsters Inc. game. I'm curious if uh, how much that's going for because I used to play that, and I uh, I think that was on Game Boy SP. So I'm not sure if it was. I'm not sure which one it was on. I played it on my SP. I don't know if it fits in a in a color. Yeah, those, I mean those movie tie-in games, generally speaking, are worth nothing. So yeah, you could, you could probably find it really cheap. Um, also, because those games are bad like they're not <laughs> i i can't imagine that it was a game of the year <laughs> no no they're not they're not good i think i showed it on one of the earlier podcasts but i got spy kids 3d game over for the sp <laughs> game boy advance card. oh it's it's the worst but i love it because it was like it reminds me of when i played it as a kid so that nostalgia yeah. is a very important factor in all of this yeah well i think okay so because that game was sealed, I don't think that's that's any driving factor in this. Because if it was about nostalgia, you're not going to, like, you are going to devalue that so much just by cracking that seal. Yeah. Or even, I'm assuming it's in some container that, like, so the seal doesn't get harmed. Mm-hmm. There's no nostalgia in that. You're going to buy a game that's already been opened, and that's what you're going to play if you want to buy these games for nostalgia you're not going after a sealed game for nostalgia <laughs> yeah no i wasn't being clear about that. i meant like just generally speaking video game collecting has a lot yeah. of, no you're absolutely right this mario 64 thing had nothing to do with that whatsoever <laughs> it was all money um someone had a theory that like there it was it's a whole laundering scheme and they were just trying to pay somebody else the money to like get rid of it <laughs> so that person would have to own that copy and then also be in money laundering <laughs> and then also wonder, yeah it's very unlikely but i did think it was funny hmm. but who knows what the future of uh retro game collecting i mean as it stands right now prices are still going up so 
if you really don't care about your retro games, sell them right now because this is the best time to do it. You're going to get so yeah. much money. If you go through your closet and you're like, oh, shit, I have Smash Brothers Melee in here or whatever, like, and you don't care about it, get rid of it. Yeah, if you, if you don't want to collect it, if you don't want to start a collection, get rid of it. That's mm-hmm. not financial advice, but... Um, <laughs> um, uh, oh, I was going to say, uh, we went to that that store in, in Virginia, and I went to a store when I was down in Virginia Beach. Um, I think it's kind of cool that, like, all of these retro stores are, like, mom-and-pop kind of shops. Like, there's not, like, a corporate retro gaming store. I think yeah, that's it's really nice because awesome. they don't, you know, they don't sell the games new anymore, so there's there's no way to get that product new. But, yeah, I love it. It's just everyone at those stores, generally speaking, is super nice and knowledgeable and... Uh, they're really fun to have a conversation with because you can be like as nerdy as you want. <laughs> you can just be like, what's the deal with the price on this and this? Like, I thought this would be more expensive. And they're generally like super helpful. Um, I've only had like one or two experiences where it's been like someone kind of, uh, I don't know, they, they have this air of like, we're better than you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I was talking to my dad about it. And he was like, when I used to buy games for you, and now when I buy games for your, your brother, when I went into GameStop, I always had that experience. He's like, all, like nine times out of 10, the person in there would be an asshole and they would be really condescending. And, you know, just because I didn't know anything. And so eventually I stopped going into GameStop and I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective before. Cause I, you know, I'm, I would say I'm relatively knowledgeable about video game stuff, but for someone who isn't, that must be a very alienating experience. Like I've never experienced that, but that must be like so shitty. I can definitely see how there's, I can definitely see that. Like there's definitely workers like that or they just don't care, you know, or they're just like, I don't want to inform you on all this stuff. Like, just like get out of my, like buy your stuff, move on. Like I'm just here making minimum wage, trying to get through my shift, you know? Yeah. Or there's also people there who are like, I know everything about every game and comic in the shop and, you know, you don't know anything, you know, that was my problem with comic book shops for a while. And that's why I didn't get into them because I, I genuinely think some of the worst people in the world work at comic book shops. Like they're, I mean, they're, Oh my God, they're so rude. And they're like, Oh, you don't know about this thing. And all you're trying to do is share this experience with them and like, mm-hmm. and, you know, get into that world and get information and that's why it took me so long. I finally found the place I took you to, which I'll put on blast here, Local Heroes. They're awesome. Um, if you guys are, you know, in that area, Local Heroes is an amazing comic shop. But they they are so nice and they give you, they're like, oh, you might like this comic. And I think you saw they had like the recommendations. The staff the recommendations, ones. yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it's such a nice environment. And I'm like, this is how it should be. Yeah, they were really friendly. I mean, I walked in there and I know nothing and they were like, you know, I mean just general like hey can i help you with anything or anything like that and you know they let you look around and stuff like that but i don't know i feel like i don't want to be like mean with this and i might cut this out but (laughs) (laughs) um i feel like sometimes the people who work at these places are more nerdy and they don't have as much like of the social kind of thing and so it it kind of drives a personality that is rude and is condescending about something they're really passionate about and like i don't think it's like it like it's it should be coming off as passionate but it comes off condescending 
I don't think I don't think that's mean at all to say because I, I think there is a certain level of social anxiety that comes with liking things like this. There's usually a type of person that you know you get invested in these other worlds or these other games or these other comics. You know, the, diving into that generally because you're not super socially inept or you have problems talking to people in real life, I guess. So when you put a bunch of people that are like that working together in a shop, it can make for a very unwelcoming environment for people who are new. Um, and that's why a lot of these shops, even stuff like GameStop, which is pretty common, are now dying. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, the, the important part that you said is like people who are new, like if you're pretty knowledgeable about um, like gaming and stuff, you can hold a conversation and they can hold a conversation with you. And not everyone is like that either. Like you said, there's there's examples where they're, you know, really great uh, people. But I think that the community has a larger percentage of people like that. Yeah, no, for sure. But I think my, my main point was, uh, I'm glad, not that I'm glad that GameStop's dying, but I'm glad stores like that, like you have more local mom and pop shops that have, you know, it, it's not like, corporate wash and you know it's a nicer experience in my opinion yeah with that though if you know the opposite side of that coin is that they can charge two hundred dollars for a gamecube game (laughs) that's true well they also they have to compete with online markets too so it kind of levels it out across the board yeah i mean that's what they check you know they told me they're like we go on ebay we go on um there's there's video game sites for like tracking the average of how much something sold for on multiple sites i don't remember what the actual website is but they check that um there's all these things that they factor in and then they create a price that they deem fair so i mean it's still a good price it's just so much money yeah (laughs) right now so who knows what they're gonna do and i and i should go back and say something too not everyone who works at a store like that is like that. a lot of my experiences have been really good and yeah yeah, whether that be video games or comics or whatever. Um, but they're like someone, again, because I know a lot, someone who may not, even people that I liked in my experience, it could be the total opposite for a newbie. So um, people who don't go into those stores, I totally understand. Well, you want to switch over to Black Widow? Yeah, definitely. Um, not a review. No, uh, not a review. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, should so I give come. any thoughts on it at all, or should I? We just stick to how much it made. Yeah, we're going to talk about the the box office debut and, and probably stick mostly to box office. You can give your spoiler free, uh, like general thoughts on it if you want. Okay. Um, I, I am going to say we'll talk about uh, probably Loki and definitely Black Widow next week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I haven't seen either, so I need to get caught up on Loki, which I can do during the week. Um, and Black I'm Widow. so excited to talk about Loki. <laughs> I cannot wait, and and I'm, that's not I, not how I feel about it, but I'm just very excited to to discuss. Yeah, and I think there's uh, a lot of guest hosts we could have on to talk about it. <laughs> so for sure. Uh, so lo- next week should be a really great episode from that regards. If you like Marvel and you like our thoughts on Marvel stuff, definitely tune in. Yeah. Um, like I said, I haven't seen it. I kind of want to tell why, because I think it's a little ridiculous. The movie theater here isn't playing Black Widow for like, it's not, it's like more than like a week and a half or whatever, right? Mm. So, and I don't feel like driving 45 minutes, so I'm going to have to stream it. Yeah, that's like, a lot like of an, money. There's an AMC like 45 minutes away that that's playing it this weekend. 
Mm. Um, like ideally Friday would be my day to watch it because Monday through Thursday is kind of rough and Friday would be a great day to watch it, but that's the exact day they're stopping showing it. So, yeah, it's, it's a long time to drive. I mean, if you go to an AMC, you might be able to do IMAX because usually the AMC theaters have like an IMAX theater in it. That's um, true. But I think like the time to drive up there, you're, you're still pay- like for two tickets, it's going to cost me the same amount as to stream it on Disney plus, you know, the food, gas, all that stuff. It's just, I'm going to go to the dollar store and get some Kit Kats and a soda and just have a movie night at home. <laughs> we do want to do the movie theater experience because, you know, we've, we're vaccinated and a lot of restrictions are up and stuff, but. This is the first we- movie I've seen in theaters since uh, the last movie I saw was the invisible man, which was right before COVID hit. Um, and then that was the last thing I saw uh, like until now. And it was really weird being back in the theater. It was, it was such a surreal moment. This was going to be our first one back, but um, we were just too tired the other night and too busy during the week. So uh, I think, don't kill me, but it might be Jungle Cruise <laughs> that we see. <laughs> that might be our first one back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's good. Um, I, uh, that was mean. Well, I guess that leads into the main topic, which is the box office. And what I thought, because I saw it on a Sunday, which usually is pretty busy for movies. And there was like two people in there. So I was like, oh, maybe people aren't ready yet to come back. But it sounds like that might be different if you want to kind of talk about yes. some of the numbers. So I, they didn't list a number for, uh, was it Rise of Skywalker? They pulled up the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here it is. They didn't give any numbers for Rise of Skywalker. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how much that made before COVID. Um, but for domestic debuts, opening weekend, uh, Fast and Furious uh, a couple weeks ago uh, had the largest one since rise of skywalker which was in 2019 pre-pandemic and then black widow just beat out uh fast nine uh for that record um so fast nine had 70 million domestic uh opening weekend and black widow had 80 um like estimates um that 80 does not include disney plus streaming yeah which we were talking about before i think is going to be interesting if that's a new thing now if on um box office mojo or wherever you're looking like all the sites that have the um box office returns i wonder if that's going to be a new category it's going to be you know uh domestic foreign and then have the worldwide total and then underneath it's like streaming service however much it made there disney plus whatever that might be a new factor they they listed it it was 60 million but that was international for opening mm. weekend and they didn't break it down so we don't really know how much it made it could have made a hundred million domestic opening weekend if you include streaming and theatrical releases but disney disney disney's the one that said 60 million from disney plus streaming but we don't know they didn't break it down farther than that so it could have broke 100 million but just from theatrical releases and that's that's what all these numbers come from the 70 million for fast nine mm. 80 million for black widows theatrical opening weekend debuts um box offices i wonder if more people actually saw it too because our tickets when we went to go see it were discounted and i wonder if that was because they're trying to get people back in so those numbers might not even reflect 
how many people actually saw it compared to like the normal ticket sale numbers. So when we were going to go, we were going to go Sunday night. Yeah. Last night we're recording on Monday. We were going to go see it last night on a Sunday and the tickets we, we looked, we're going to order them online, but we weren't sure if we were like really like feeling up to it, mm-hmm. um, which we weren't. Um, uh, well, we had a busy day, you know? Oh yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, they, it was going to be $25 for two. So after the ticket price tax, just like that online fee or whatever, it was going to be $25 for two. So about twelve fifty for two people, um, which seems kind of pre pandemic levels to me, like 12, 13 bucks for a movie ticket. And this was at a regal. That's so. interesting. And it wasn't like D box seats or like, it, they weren't special tickets. They were just normal. Right. This. Uh, so I don't think you, it didn't give us the option to like pick seats. I don't know if that was because we had to like progress farther in the checkout like system or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or they just don't assign seats there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this was just like general admission tickets to Black Widow on a Sunday night at uh, 9 p.m. Interesting. Ours were, I mean, we, I think we might've had like the matinee discount too, but okay. ours was $6, which I thought was a, you know, pretty reasonable. We didn't get any food or anything. So did you go like at matinee times? I think the, oh yeah, I guess we did. Cause it was like 1145. So yeah, that would have been like the morning prices. So that, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but it's still like, even the matinee price, I didn't think was $6. Like that seemed pretty cheap. Did you go to a local place or like a, a more chain? I went to Regal. Okay. Well, so we're comparing, I mean, maybe it's different markets, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The movie tickets in New York are like $20 each. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is, I mean, a movie theater, it's not like super populated. It's not like in the city at all, barely the suburbs, you know? So. Oh yeah. I mean, we're in, you know, bumfuck nowhere. So it, it would make sense that that, especially cause there's a, another theater chain that also serves food. Um, and they have, you know, comfier seats or whatever. And the one the regal that's there they haven't really adopted that model so it's still they do the assigned seats now but the seats are still the same old ones um so i I think it's more because now it's kind of a family thing again to go out and do it and if you can like have a meal and have your kids shut up for two hours it's like that's perfect yeah how was the experience i haven't uh we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet it was, yeah, you said it was, it was a little weird, but it was strange for a minute, but then it kind of felt normal again, like mm-hmm. walking into the theater at first and smelling that popcorn like that, you know, that like the stained carpet and the popcorn <laughs> smell like the all carpet. Kind of that's came. like it's got like that pattern to it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's like little stars or planets or whatever on it, it like the swirly things. Mm-hmm. It's got the swirly yeah. things. Yeah. So all of that, it was just this surreal moment of being like, holy shit, I'm back. Um and then after that, once we took our seats and the 8,000 trailers ended, it felt kind of normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the experience itself was nice because I don't like going to the movies when there's a ton of people in there. I like it when there's, you know, two or three people. And that's exactly what this was. Um, but it was nice. It was really nice to have that sort of communal experience again. Of, you know, not too many people, but people together watching a movie. It was fun. Did you go with your parents or? family or brother 
I just went with my brother. My parents okay. don't care about the MCU stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just wondering if it was like more of a, you know, you had a couple more people with you sharing the experience. Right. Yeah. No, the last movie we all saw together was Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um, so that was a while ago. That was probably 2018, I think, that movie came out. Either that or like early 2019. Um, and I feel bad that was the last movie we all saw together because that movie sucks. But it's it's really and i love the first record ralph but that movie is bad it is so bad sorry that's not what we're talking about <laughs> did you um, have to wear a mask you didn't have to i chose to okay. just because i you know i don't know who else is vaccinated and you know i still feel a little weird about it so we we just threw it up and you know we had it on the whole time and it didn't really feel that uncomfortable or anything yeah well i guess i wasn't asking about your thing i was just asking like because there's still some uh like businesses around here that require it where did i go domino's i went to domino's uh last night and they required it when i picked up uh my food i noticed that when i was up by you last night like, a couple weeks ago is that they are much more strict than they are down here like yeah. the, a lot of the restrictions here have been lifted and i was it was actually a night it was a like a breath of fresh air to go in and see a bunch of masked people again i was like oh this is nice yeah, we went when we uh, when we hung out in the city. There was a couple of businesses that mandated it still. Yeah, and it makes me feel safer, honestly. Even though yeah. you know, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. That's like CDC regulation. You know, that's not like Trump on Twitter being like, "Oh, you can't do that." No, that's like you know, the CDC said it's fine, so I trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it still feels you know, I, we've had them for so long. It's like a safety net. Like it's like a blanket. It feels safe. I will say like sometimes I go to the grocery store without it. And like, when I don't take it with me, because I've, I've gotten so used to being like, okay, phone, wallet, keys, mask. Yeah. Now when it's just phone, wallet, keys again, I like, know like I'm forgetting a mask. Cause when you forget a mask, like during like a couple, like a year ago, you're like, oh shit, I need to walk back to my car and grab that. So when you yeah. don't have that with you now, I kind of like get like a, like a panicky kind of thing, like for a split second. Cause I'm like, oh, I need a, I need a mask. No, I know exactly like, well, how you feel. And, and yeah, I think that they're probably a little less strict at some of the other theaters, but that one was just like, Hey, we'd really prefer you do this. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, do you want to give know. some general thoughts on it or I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh no, I was, it's funny you say that. Cause I was actually going to say, I was going to give my general thoughts, but I think I'm going to wait. I think you're going to wait. I think I'm going to wait. I don't, I don't even really, cause I want to save all of it. Sometimes I do that. I like, I bring something up for the next week and then I feel like I just, I'm just repeating myself with mm-hmm. a lot of my points um so i'm not gonna say i'm gonna leave that for next week or the week after when we finally review it okay i think uh i think we should do like a spoiler free section for both black widow and then loki and then go more in depth and that might be like that could take up a whole episode i think for sure yeah we could definitely do a whole a whole episode on that um yeah, I don't. I'll say, I don't. I haven't seen them, but those are like heavy hitter topics. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, the the one thing I'll say about both of them really is that there's going to be a lot to talk about. So I think we're going to have plenty of stuff to go into about certain aspects of it that you know people may feel strongly about. I'm trying to be. I'm really trying to not give <laughs> how I feel about this movie. Um, but yeah, I'll say I was. I was pretty. I wasn't excited for it going into it and that wasn't the movie's fault. It just, I was excited for it when it was supposed to come out a year ago. And then 
they kept pushing it back. And I was like, oh, two months from now, now I get to go see it. Oh, four months from now, it's going to be on streaming service. And then they did it so much that at the end, I was just fucking exhausted. I was like, I don't even care about this anymore. Yeah. Well, if you uh, if you want to save that, then we can get into recommendations. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, you want to go ahead and go first? Sure. Uh, I'm going to recommend recommend Valheim again. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's fine. I've been playing a lot of that. So I was like, when I was thinking about like what my recommendation was going to be, I was like, what do I do? Because I can't spend Valheim like all the time. <laughs> um, uh, so Shark Week, it's actually Shark Week as we're recording this. So when this goes live, it's probably the end of Shark Week. But go back, like Discovery Plus has a bunch of movies and shows and stuff like uh hannah's been binging it and so i'll walk in and like it's a whole new thing like but there was a really cool i don't remember what it was called but there was like they were doing like tiger shark and great white like surveillance or whatever and they were off the coast of australia and there was like 15 tiger sharks like swarming around and they looked like really pretty because like this the stripes on them was really pretty and one had like this massive great white shark attack scar on it which is like mm. kind of sad but yeah. like it was like really odd because they were like apparently there's like a conflict between like tiger sharks great white shark it's like i don't know shark week is fucking awesome so i'm gonna recommend it <laughs> there should still be pl- stuff on discovery plus so that's uh yeah that's definitely a great recommendation i used to i was i was telling you guys too right i used to love shark week um a lot of those discovery shows were pretty good too like i, I used to be obsessed with the Loch Ness monster and they would mm-hmm. always have specials on that like oh is it real and then every time they would show when there'd be a little bit more information just to keep you hooked even though they didn't find shit (laughs) i will say be careful what you click on if you are like uh like hannah doesn't really like a lot of this stuff where it's like this is how we're fucking up the environment there's a couple of those kind of shows and movies like documentary type stuff so just be careful if you're not ready for some of the heavy hitters like emotional stuff yeah for sure but and um, I, I, I was gonna say I, I almost always forget like when shark week is so like here's your reminder i feel like <laughs> it like was me. like five times a year like i always felt like it was it was constantly shark week <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they ran out of programming like mythbusters ended their season they were like fuck we need more sharks yeah after mythbusters and how it's made reruns you catch shark week <laughs> and cash cab yeah uh, that's my that's my recommendation is cash cab <laughs> yeah so uh my recommendation this week is gonna be something that you and i actually both experienced um like what, two weekends ago one weekend ago whatever it was um which is a korean uh shopping mart um it's called h mart i don't know if you guys have one near you we don't but we were visiting a friend and there was uh there was one actually no chris you said there was one by you right you said you found there one. is it's not it's kind of a far drive like if i was going to go grocery shopping from my home but i can pass by it on my commute from work uh so like if i come home from work and i want to go grocery shopping like actually i'll be in the office later this week and i'll get paid that day which is usually when i do my grocery shopping mm-hmm. so i might stop by yeah, and it, I mean, the amount of stuff they have in there is crazy because it's a Korean mart, but it's not just Korean food. It's it's Japanese food. It's Chinese food. It's basically just an Asian mart. Yeah, there's Hispanic. Um, uh, there's also Hispanic stuff, and there's like an American aisle, Americanized aisle. 
like yeah, pasta it's a or whatever. Of, yeah, yeah. They have like yeah, they have like all the stuff, donuts and shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was really we we bought so much food over that weekend, just tried a bunch of stuff, um, mostly candy. But there was this uh, like acorn jelly that they had there that nobody liked, but it was nice to try it out and try new things. Yeah, that tasted like you were chewing on a two by four. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a tree spat in your mouth. It was kind of gross. Well, I looked uh, up. It's it's interesting to try things like that because it's like it's a new like like I've never tried anything like that before. And you look like I looked up how it was made because I'm interested in the food science and stuff. And they just literally take the starch out of acorns and make it and like that's how they make the jelly. Like, I guess they have to, there's something they, they have to do process it. So it's not poisonous or whatever. Um, or there's some chemical in it. That's like not good for us. So they have to process the starch out and mix it with water and all that. But it's really cool to understand that stuff and try it. Even if you don't like it, it seems like it would be more expensive than that. Like based on the process they have to go through, like there was a shit ton of jelly in there and it was like $6. Well, I wonder like what the like how much starch was actually in there because i don't think it takes a lot of starch to make that jelly yeah it might not um i'm yeah i'm amazed that anything in a grocery store is as cheap as it is <laughs> just for the process of which it has to go through but uh but yeah we also i mean i actually tried it a couple weeks earlier but um uh mochi is like my new favorite thing which for anyone who doesn't know it's basically like these little ice cream balls wrapped in dough which sounds just as amazing as it is, I promise. Um, but there's a green tea version that I oh fucking love it so much. Yeah, I my favorite is mango, but green tea's up there. Like you could never go wrong with the green tea ones. Yeah, those are they're all super delicious. Um, actually, my brother said the chocolate one kind of sucks. He was like, it doesn't hold together or something, and it isn't very good. There's a there's a berry one I didn't like. I can't remember what one it was we'd get the like the assorted variety packs and so that's where we pick and choose like what we like so yeah yeah for, that's the way to go for sure i didn't like the the original like red bean one was kind of eh. i don't know i didn't have that it. one um but yeah i would definitely recommend everyone try i i, I would probably start with the matcha the green tea flavor because it's sort of the most quote-unquote traditional um and then see if you like that and then go from there i like i ate so many of them <laughs> i ate like a whole package there's like six of them in there i ate all all of them i mean they're kind of small it's okay they're, yeah that's how i justified in my brain i was like oh, these can't have any calories they're so tiny <laughs> what else did we try from there that was kind of interesting we tomato candy tomato candy yeah which was kind of like sucking on a packet of ketchup that was hard <laughs> It was, it was like very sweet, but like, it was like you were just eating a tomato, but like candy for them. Yeah, it's, like it's, very, it's exactly what it says it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we were shocked that it tasted like that. <laughs> like, but we, I never had it before. So we had the ginger snaps, which were really oh, good. Yeah, like ginger chews. Yeah. Those were, oh yeah. Ginger chews. I guess those are different from the snaps. Um, and then what else we had the. I, I want to say we had the high chews, but those are kind of everywhere. You can buy those yeah. at 7-Eleven. Um, and we, oh, the best thing that we did, I don't even know how I, so we made yeah. the ramen from Parasite. So the for Ram anyone, Dom. yeah, the Ramdom. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a, there's a scene in the movie where there's um, the, the, I guess the housekeeper in the movie is tasked to make 
uh, Ramdam, which is these two packets of ramen put together. It's chapaghetti and miyoguri, and they call it chapaguri or Ramdam. And in the movie, they cut, they also cut up sirloin steak and they throw it in to kind of make the dish a little bit. It's also a metaphor for the movie and you know, who fucking cares? It's fine. <laughs> but we made that and it was really good. I thought it was delicious. Yeah. Uh, Joey made the steak, which was really good. And I did the Neo Guri and you did the Chapaghetti. Mm-hmm. So one was like and kind you, of a teriyaki yeah. flavor. And the other one was uh, spicy seafood, I believe. Yeah, it was spicy seafood was the Neo Guri and the Chapaghetti is like a udon noodle with uh, yeah, teriyaki umami flavor. Yeah. And then you mix them together. I actually, I because I, I got the four pack to take home i've tried them each separately do you like them separate the best is together in my opinion um the chapaghetti is pretty good like on its own um i will say i didn't really like the neo curry it's very seafoody yeah it's spicy which i like the spice like you got the spice when we mix them together but the seafood on its own like the chapaghetti stuff kind of mellows it out <laughs> so yeah. it kind of hits you harder when we put it together like the initial smell is like oh this is gonna taste like a bucket of fish and then we put it together and i it totally mellowed out the flavor mm-hmm. um it didn't taste like fish at all so i was curious by itself i was like this might be a little gross yeah the um, i will say the the neo guri one not not that great on its own <laughs> yeah it was also a much different way of cooking usually i just put it in the microwave but they did like the stovetop thing and it came in these little circles instead of the normal ramen that you get in like a you know a marishan or whatever fucking brand you normally get at the grocery store and the stuff inside there was like four packets and it was just a lot more to it um, a little more complicated to make but it was really good yeah it was i think it was really good it was pretty easy i mean you i've i've done them in the microwave like since i've been here and ate, eaten a couple just from the microwave um but yeah we definitely put in too much water the first time and we overcooked it a little bit um just because we were like still a little unsure as to like how they were going to be made and like when to put in the ingredients because we didn't fucking read because we're morons but i mean it still turned out fine and with the steak too it was so good uh the steak was good in it there's a there's a binging with babish episode that we watched as we ate it instead of before we cooked it We watched him like strain it out and then mix it together. We were like, oh, we should have probably done that. (laughs) (laughs) I also think we could have put the, we put the, the base seasoning and the vegetables and all that stuff, all the packets in immediately, which isn't what I normally do, but we could have probably waited until we had like the right level of water to mix it. (laughs) Well, the vegetables you have to cook probably because they're like freeze dried or whatever, dehydrated or whatever. But, but yeah, that was, that was super delicious. So yeah, I would just look up for anyone out there, like just type in, type in H Mart and see if you have one near you. Cause they are really, really cool. I think anyone would, you know, even if you don't buy anything, just like seeing a, a different type of um, like a different cultures grocery store, I think is just really interesting. All the live seafood that they have in there. Like it was really fun. Yeah. I was going to say, if you don't have an H Mart, you can try like any other, like, we had an Indian Mart uh, that was like close to my apartment when I lived in Philly, like in the city. And uh, like, that was nice to go there. I mean, like there was like an American Isle and stuff, but they also had 
stuff I'd never seen before. So this yeah. is the whitest shit ever. <laughs> really is. I just I love trying new because you never know. Like I I love mochi now. That's like one of my favorite things. I had no idea it existed a month ago. So you know. That's my that's my other just advice for this podcast. Spread your wings. You never know when you're gonna yeah. find something you like. That's definitely like expand your horizons. Is definitely like the point of that. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess that probably. I think we're probably at about time. You want to wrap it up? Say our uh, our goodbyes. Yeah. So, um, hope you guys like this episode. Uh, like I said, next week, um, we'll talk about Loki and Black Widow. Hopefully, uh, not set in stone, but it's looking like I can get that stuff done in time. Um, if you like this video, leave a like, uh, leave a comment if you want to talk to us or send us an email. Um, subscribe if you want to see more and ring the bell for notifications. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.